Welcome to the MUFG Global Markets Podcast. I'm John Cook, and I'm joined today by George Goncalves, MUFG's head of U.S. macro strategy. It's Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. Welcome back to the podcast, George. Great to be on as always, John. Yeah, good to have you. It's been a while. Um, and, you know, there is certainly plenty to talk about. I mean, it's really amazing just how much is going on this week. Uh, you've got the Treasury refunding announcement. You have the January FOMC mon- meeting, uh, month-end in- index extension, and finally the uh, U.S. employment report on Friday. Uh, so plenty to talk about. Uh, why don't we go through what our listeners should be watching for for these various events? And to be a little bit more specific, I'm sort of curious your expectations and how that might be different or the same from what the market has priced in. Absolutely. And we're you know, recording this uh, heading into the middle of the week ahead of the you know, critical Fed meeting, which we'll get to in a moment. But there's plenty of other things going on, as you mentioned, that are, you know, Probably equally as important, um, I think it's important to take a step back and remember the last time we had this um, doubleheader of the refunding announcement with the Fed was on November 1st, which at that point really marked you know, the lows in risk assets, the wides and like local wides and spreads, and pretty much the high yield print close to where the 10-year was at 5%. And from that moment forward, we've been in rally mode since the last, you know, what people now call the QRA, which is the quarterly refunding announcement from the Treasury, um, I think, yeah, that it was really the doubleheader of the Powell starting to get a little bit more dovish or not as hawkish in November. Then, of course, we had the, the full pivot in December. But by and large, it was that November 1st starting point, which was the last time we had this sort of setup uh, that led to a big rally, which then has people kind of like, you know, thinking about like, A, is it repeatable? Maybe we don't get the same sort of kind of messaging out of the treasury. Uh, however, earlier this week, we did get the quarterly quarterly estimates, which is what's necessary to finance the government. So now on Wednesday, we'll get the mix of how they're planning to do it uh, amongst the various security options they have between T-bills, notes, bonds, tips, floating rate notes, you, you name it. Uh, I, I do think that you know the the a lot of the the um, air has been taken out because the estimates on Monday were slightly less than expected. Uh, so that means that we should probably see uh, lower cuts in the auction sizes for Treasuries. Um, but even you know having said that, I mean the market reaction so far has been muted these last two days heading into Wednesday. So I think the market has a lot of this sort of less supply. Uh, out the curve story already baked in the cake. Um, again, let's not forget, we went from 5% down to like 4% on the 10-year. A lot of that sort of supply news is probably already embedded. So there is the risk that if the cuts aren't as large uh, or they're, st- they're still going ahead with them, even though there's less uh, financing needs, maybe the adjustment will come from T-bills instead. So I, yeah, I think- George, that- Sorry, just to be clear, you're saying, you're saying smaller increases in auction sizes, correct? Yes, correct. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully that was clear. And yeah, so that's it's going to be uh, 8.30 in the morning. I think it's going to set the stage for that day. And then, of course, we have the Fed. Uh, but I think the NFP is also super important with the benchmark revisions. Um, and all of this together you know, comes back to you know, a thesis that we have, which is which I think is different than the markets. The markets, are, in our view, are priced to perfection. We have priced in you know, the Goldilocks, the soft landing. We've priced in a lot of cuts, even though some cuts are coming out. Uh, but we have basically priced in this idea that 
we're going to get this sort of outcome and any sort of deviation from that path should reflect in either wider credit spreads, you know, lower stock market risk markets, and, you know, and potentially even higher rates too. So um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's going to come down to you know, expectations, which I think are now pricing to perfection. Yeah, well said. And I think, um, you know, we, we kind of touched on this on this briefly, but a ton of ton of going on this week, you know, arguably the most important is the FOMC, particularly as they seem to be at a bit of an inflection point, um, you know, between, you know, they were hiking rates, they are now on hold, and it certainly seems like they're going to move towards cutting rates uh, for a variety of different reasons. But I guess I'd like to, you know, pick your brain on the Fed specifically in a bit more detail. Um, I guess uh, let's to you know let's talk a little bit about this week for sure. Um, I'm curious how developments this week might influence the FOMC, uh, you know, today, but also your more medium-term view on the Fed. Um, as example, if I recall correctly, you've been calling for a 25 basis point cut in March since July. You know, so I think the readers might or the listeners rather might find it interesting what you saw then and how it compares to what you see now. Yeah, no. I, let's 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 do a play by play, and, and and this really comes down to sequence. How do we get to the next step of each Fed move? We um, think that this week they're not cutting; uh, you know, they're on hold again. Um, the the you know the focus should be on is there a, a balance of risk now that is more even between growth and inflation? So we'll see what the statement brings us. Uh, Chair Powell in December did pivot in a pretty dramatic way, uh, opening the door to at least entertaining the idea of easing. Um, and so I think that we should expect a lot of uh, kind of questions at this press conference you know, relating to timing. Uh, I don't think that we will get a certain answer on like when when the next move is, but they would have to uh, at least go to neutral uh, on their statement and then you know stay data dependent. And that keeps March in play. Uh, it doesn't push it back. Uh, now, if they're um, in order to, to kind of keep going with this kind of sequence concept, uh, the prior week we had the the Fed uh, alter the terms for the bank term funding program, which for us we've been uh, focused on that as well. So if you think about the sequence, pivoting in December, adjusting the BTFP before this meeting actually takes place. At this meeting, uh, and also in between them, we also had the the minutes, which suggested they're looking at the the balance sheet. There's been a number of Fed speakers uh, also mentioning that the balance sheet uh, tapering process should be adjusted. So it's it's possible that you know we don't get any rate changes this meeting, but the actual, as we call it, the countdown to QT taper, uh, I think is is now here. So we either get. Uh, further discussions that they prepare the public for eventually tapering will happen in the QT space, or they actually announce it. It's a real distinct possibility they can announce it uh, as soon as uh, Wednesday. And that would be like a, in lieu of, of a cut. And then the question is, do they cut in March, May, or June? I think that's going to come down to the, the data, purely the jobs data, because inflation is moving in the right direction. And by March, we would, we would expect them to acknowledge that. And Again, they might even acknowledge it tomorrow that their own estimates of inflation are now too high versus where inflation is annualizing. So there's a lot to chew on. I think that this is going to be a dovish outcome, even though we've heard a lot of Fed speakers push back on market uh, pricing and cuts. 
I think that was just um, trying to buy optionality and to really slow down the markets a little bit. So we'll see. I mean, Powell typically sounds more dovish towards the end of the press conference. We're wrong if he really goes out of his way and is overtly hawkish and actually tries to push back on the markets. I just don't see that happening. They're already restrictive on real rate terms. They've mentioned that before. I would expect Powell to say something similar. And at this point, just from the macro reasons, they should start easing or at least normalizing process. Normalizing rates is what they'll probably call it. They're not really easing. They're still tight relative to neutral. They'd, they would have to get rates down into the three handles to start to suggest that they're actually easing. So I think uh, normalizing policy is smart thing to do. It's been in our forecast. To answer why we've had it in our forecast, we've had it for a variety of reasons. One, you're never on hold forever. And the natural next move, which has been the case throughout every cycle that we've had rates, has been that they usually ease afterwards because either they hike too much or the economy does react to the tighter financial conditions in the banking system, at least, and in terms of the cost of money. Uh, so, you know, the interest rates do matter. And then eventually they have to dial them back a little bit. So after a hiking cycle, at some point, there's an easing cycle. So this is nothing really mysterious. <laughs> we, we thought that at some point they're going to have to go the other way. And it also so happens to be the anniversary of the of the of the banking crisis that we had last year, uh, and they've you know are are you know are making changes there. So I think steepening the curve sooner helps the banking system. But it's really you know it comes down to March, May, or June. Beyond that, if they haven't eased, then it's because the, the economy is very very strong or something else has changed. So you know we're, we're relatively confident. There's no need to change unless the economy accelerates from here. The banking system gets uh, you know even uh, you know, more healthy and starts to lend further. Uh, liquidity issues fade, and we get uh, you know better outlook on the global economy. Too soon for all that to happen in the next two months, in our view. And so, the Fed doing an, an insurance ease in March, I think, is the right direction, right step. Yeah, that's um that that makes a lot of sense to me. There's also an article uh, in the Wall Street Journal, uh, you know, that kind of made that higher real rate, um, you know, argument. You know, as you said, a cut here is really normalizing policy given the fact that inflation's coming down so short so sharply, um, and uh, you know that 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 makes a lot of sense. So we'll see what happens. Uh, this podcast, as a reminder for our listeners, this podcast will drop on Wednesday, January thirty first, which is the morning before the FOMC meeting. Um, uh, so we'll know uh, we'll know more in in just a few hours. Uh, and for our listeners, I would encourage you to check out George's recently published January FOMC preview, the countdown to QT taper and rate cuts. And if you are still not receiving George's strategy reports, there is a new way to get them. Check out the new MUFG Research Portal at www.mufgresearch.com. Uh, you can get all of our research there, as well as sign up to receive your favorite MUFG Research uh, delivered directly to your inbox. Great stuff as always. Thanks, George. Thanks, John. And thank you for listening to the MUFG Global Markets Podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and reach out to your MUFG sales rep for any further information. Check back soon for more insights from the Global Markets Research Team.